This edition of the Security Ledger podcast is sponsored by Signal Sciences. Signal Sciences' next-generation WAF and RASP technology is the only application security solution that works across any architecture. Fast and easy to implement, the solution protects more than 25,000 cloud-native, legacy, and serverless applications and over a trillion production requests every month. Organizations across all industries deploy Signal Sciences to protect their most important web applications, APIs, and microservices against the full spectrum of threats, from the OWASP Top 10 to account takeovers, API misuse, and bad bots. Check them out at signalsciences.com. Hello, this is the Security Ledger Podcast, and I'm Paul Roberts, Editor-in-Chief at the Security Ledger, in this week's episode of the podcast number 170. Tonight, retailers are open for business, not waiting for Black Friday, many offering doorbuster deals right now. Cyber Monday 2019 is in the rearview mirror, and this year's holiday shopping bonanza looks to be the biggest ever. Adobe Analytics estimated this week that sales from Thanksgiving through Cyber Monday will exceed $29 billion. And in just one measure of how shopping habits are changing, the online sales platform Shopify, which is used by more than a million merchants, reported that sales on the platform had already surpassed $1.5 billion, which is more than the sales from the full Thanksgiving weekend last year. But the post Thanksgiving weekend isn't just big for shoppers and retailers. It's also one of the busiest weekends for cyber criminals who find cover for their attacks and fraud among the millions of legitimate online shoppers. And it isn't just during the holiday season that online criminals hide in the crowd. A study by the firm Signal Sciences found that attacks on e-commerce applications jump on the 15th and 30th of the month all year round. Paydays, when average shopping volume overall, is higher as well. What does this mean for e-tailers? To find out, we invited Brendan McAreg of the firm Signal Sciences back into the Security Ledger Studios to talk about his company's research, which finds a rising tide of e-commerce fraud. To start off, I asked Brendan about Cyber Monday and the predicament of e-tailers who are trying to balance concerns about security and fraud with their desperate need to have their e-commerce platforms humming from Black Friday on. Brendan Macrick, I'm the Senior Director of Product Marketing at Signal Sciences. Brendan, welcome back to Security Ledger Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Paul. Appreciate it. So we're talking on the Monday before Thanksgiving. And of course, if it's Thanksgiving week, that means big shopping days, both Black Friday and uh, then, of course, the uh, more recent edition, Cyber Monday, are coming up within the next week. Um, By the time people are listening to this, um, those will probably have happened. Of course, the name Black Friday comes from the fact that, that this was the day of the year in you know late November when retailers finally made it into the black right and then you know for depending on the retailer i've heard anywhere from you know 50 to 70% or more of their profit uh, comes just in this last sort of 6 or 8 weeks of the year so any day even an hour in this critical part of the year for an online retailer, you know, could be the difference between life and death, really, for them. It's definitely, you know, it could be a make or break period for a lot of retailers. Yeah. We, we all know the big names. I'm not going to name them, but there are other smaller folks out there who, you know, this is a, a, a lot, you know, big part of their revenue for the year. So, yeah, absolutely. 
Brendan, as we look at e-commerce and mounting sort of e-commerce cyber risk, Signal Sciences can trace its own origins back to sort of the uh, the e-commerce space. Just talk a little bit about the technology you have and also where you guys came from. Sure. So uh, our three co-founders, uh, Nick Galbraith, Andrew Peterson, and Zane Lackey, they met at a company called Etsy, uh, which is one of the largest e-commerce sites on the web. And when they were there, early 2000s, they realized that there was a problem they were trying to solve. They wanted to iterate their code base quickly in a, in a DevOps-like fashion. By the way, Etsy was one of the DevOps pioneers along with uh, like folks like Netflix. So they, what, they, what they ran up against was you know, they wanted to have their code base updated into production on a regular basis and iterate quickly. But what they were finding is you know, they, they realized that their application was under attack uh, in production. But the legacy tools that were available to them or other tools were just not cutting the mustard in terms of active protection and production. Um, in particular, you know, they tried legacy WAFs, but um, one of the, the difficulties they found was that legacy WAFs in particular are black boxes. They will tell you as the web request comes in, they will basically do what's pattern matching or regular expression pattern matching. They're looking for a pattern in the web request headers or something that um, can be predictable. And if they if it matches on that pattern, block the request. But the problem with that, it's a very binary, you know, on off method that's basically um, prone to high false positives. But as time went on, you know, that obviously impacts your business and the ability for an organization to generate revenue if you're blocking uh, legitimate good traffic that you need those customers to be able to transact with your service. Out of that frustration. Uh, our co-founders decided to develop a, a technology that would be basically be quick uh, in terms of detecting uh, malicious traffic or potentially malicious traffic and blocking it in line without impeding the business. They came up with you know basically what would, what would become Signal Sciences. So it's a dual agent module pair that's very flexible in terms of its deployment patterns. We also can install the load balancer. We can work with API gateways. Basically, any modern deployment pattern that uh, a development team may have with their applications, we can be there to inspect the traffic uh, and quickly determine whether or not it's malicious or not. And we were able to do that because we have a patented technology called SmartParse that basically will look at the web request payload and header values and other context around the request and decide to block it or let it through very quickly. And we do that with very minimal, almost no false positives. So they wanted to be able to deploy easily have effective blocking without blocking legit traffic um, and basically work in infrastructure that's across cloud, on-prem, or a hybrid of those or, or serverless. So that's that's basically the genesis of where signal sciences came from and the problems that our founders are trying to solve. The other thing that's really interesting, I think, about your about the the signal sciences origin story is how many of of these sort of security or availability tools have come not out of you know, traditional networking and security companies, but in fact, out of these sort of sure. large startups, whether it's Netflix or Google, who are, were really just trying to solve problems. They were developing, they were really pioneering a new new form of application, a new way of doing web applications, and yeah. just needed to solve problems along the way. Yeah, absolutely. What, what, what Signal Sciences proves out indirectly is that if you're a CISO and you have that uh, perimeter mindset that, okay, I'm going to take care of all the things that could be an attack surface or, or an attack uh, threat vector, that's, and that's all important. You know, we've talked about um, endpoint before, identity access management, monitoring you know, network intrusion detection, 
those are all important things as well as, you know, data loss prevention and backing up your data and having a plan in case, you know, the worst mm -hmm. happens. But let's look at the, the application and what it represents. It is the gateway to a lot of valuable data. It is, Verizon has reported for the fifth year in a row that the web app is the leading cause of, of breaches, basically. And the, and the attackers know that these other tools exist, specifically, you know, network layer tools like um, intrusion detection. They know the endpoint detection response is there. So they, they go from layer three and four up, up to the application layer at layer seven and just go straight out after you know the keys of the kingdom so to speak and that's why it's important to have proactive application security in production what's interesting is you got a new report coming out where you did some research mining your own data on threats to e-commerce and uh, actually that just came out i think on the 20th but some really interesting findings there talk to us just a little bit about some of the trends that you saw when you were looking at threats in the e-commerce space sure so to give your listeners a little context we inspect over 70 billion web requests um, and we block over 2 billion web attacks monthly for our customers that operate e-commerce sites. So for this report that we just put out, we took a sample of almost 5 million retail web attacks, or those are, in other words, malicious web requests that went against our e-commerce, retail e-commerce customers. Um, and to, so we wanted to do this to get a better understanding of the nature of the threat, um, the common methods and patterns in their usage, and then also how online retailers could take a more effective, proactive countermeasures-based response to preventing fraud in their own businesses. A couple of things that we found were from those 5 million retail web attacks, we saw that uh, for an organization that gets about 3 million web requests a month, on average, they see about 206,000 web attacks a month. So that's, that's kind of an average across our customers. Obviously, there's factors that play into that, you know, the, the vertical that they're in, that they serve, their traffic patterns and whatnot. But on average, we saw a little bit over 206,000 web attacks a month. As far as like when they happen, I mean, they, they're, ha they're happening constantly, you know, every day of the week. But we found that they're using increasingly sophisticated and innovative tactics. And I'll get to that in a little bit. But criminal behavior often mirrors that of legitimate shoppers. And, and the reason why is that these malicious threat actors, they're trying to hide their activity amid the increased transaction volume that's going up as, the close, as we get closer to the holidays. You know, one thing that I thought that was interesting is that we saw that attacks tend to spike on day 15 and 30th of the month, and then also on the weekends. And we think that's because they're following, you know, the attackers are following the tendency of consumers to shop on paydays, on their days off, when they have time to actually dedicate to, to getting the deals and whatnot that they want. The basic criminal notion that, you know, if, if folks are distracted, if there are a lot of people in the store, you know, it's going to make it easier for you to go in and shoplift, fewer, fewer eyes paying attention to you. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Yep. Basically, cyber attacker patterns mirror shopper patterns. So they're 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 smart enough to just uh, know how to look like ordinary online shoppers, including more or less when those people are going to be hitting these sites. So I think it's one, one, an interesting point there is that obviously as traffic ramps up for holiday shopping, the, the attackers know likewise that that's going to happen, and they're taking advantage of that for sure. So it's not like, well, they're just paying more attention to e-commerce because it's the, you know, Black Friday and the end of the year. It's that the increased volume gives them more cover to do what they want to do. Yep, exactly. So what types of attacks uh, are we seeing in the e-commerce space? You'd think it's 2019. Most of these vendors, you know, large or small, you know, nobody's new to the rodeo at this point. You'd think people more or less have, have it nailed down that, you know, they need some pretty robust web application security, but I don't know, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, they, they use a variety of sophisticated methods. And what they're trying to do is manipulate 
e-commerce shopping carts, or they want to abuse the APIs that connect the payment processors to the online shopping carts. The overall goal, I mean, obviously, is to generally steal credit card information, or they want to get shopping cart tokens so they can take over the shopping session. Or lastly, they want to exfiltrate customers' account PII, you know, pers- that personally identifiable information that can be used to per- perpetrate other fraud elsewhere. To do that, you know, they, they do a couple of things. So we saw five top attacks across our retail customers that we were preventing for them. So the first is account takeover. And this is basically when attackers find they take the dumps of credentials from other breaches, and then they run automated credential stuffing, or they're trying to t- test those credential pairs in an automated fashion until they find one that works. And then once they do, they'll, they'll take over the account, lock out the legitimate user, and then they will take any payment information that's stored in that account, use that for fraud or resell it on the dark web, or they will basically order goods and have them shipped somewhere else. And then they try to resell them somewhere else, or they can commit uh, identity theft, obviously. So account takeover is a top attack type that we saw. Hmm. That's kind of a byproduct in some ways of just how much stolen data there is out there, usernames, passwords, that type of stuff. Yeah, that, it, it's a it's a problem that's not going to go away anytime soon. I mean, you and I see and all of us see the, the breach announcements on a regular basis. And if you're someone who did business with that organization, yeah, unfortunately, your credentials are out there. So and on a related note, that's even more of a reason to use strong passwords. Use a password manager and don't use the same password for every site out there. I don't know about you, though. Every time I talk to people about it, they look at me like I've got two heads, like password manager. What's that? You know, I just use the same password for every site. And you're like, oh, man, don't do that. When they get the breach notice in the in the mail, then they understand why you have to do this. So. Maybe. I hope they do. <laughs> so, yeah, ATO is a top attack type. The second one was bot imposter. This is basically when there's a malicious web request that's masquerading as Google or Bing or another search bot. So what they're doing, obviously, to try to do there is they want to look legitimate. um, But within an e-commerce context, what they're doing is they're gathering pricing and inventory data. And sometimes they're doing that to see, okay, which online vendor has the the goods that I want Mm -hmm. or want to go after. Mm -hmm. Or perhaps perhaps they're going to basically take that information and give it to a competitor, perhaps if, if there's value behind that. Um, the, the third is SQL injection. So, you know, that's an attempt to gain access to the app or get uh, privileged information by executing arbitrary def- database queries. Um, obviously, if you're, able, if you're able to inject a SQL command into a form, that's not good. And there's some, some bad things that can happen there. The fourth was cross-site scripting. So, again, an, an injection attack, that's, a, that's basically an attempt to hijack a user's account or they want the web browsing session so they can basically try to use malicious JavaScript code to take over the session. Um, and they, they'll use that against an e-commerce site to control the shopping cart and then have the goods shipped somewhere else for resale. You're listening to the Security Ledger podcast. This week's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Signal Sciences. Signal Sciences' next-generation WAF and RASP technology is the only application security solution that works across any architecture. Fast and easy to implement, the solution protects more than 25,000 cloud-native, legacy, and serverless applications and over a trillion production requests every month. Organizations across all industries deploy signal sciences to protect their most important web applications, APIs, and microservices against the full spectrum of threats, from the OWASP Top 10 to account takeovers, API misuse, and bad bots. Check them out at signalsciences.com. A lot of these, I mean, the account takeover, SQL injection, cross-site scripting, none of these are new, you know, OWASP. Do you have any sense that uh, application providers or the companies running these applications are getting better at this, that, that there's less density of SQL injection or cross-site scripting than in years past? 
That's the hope. And I think what this indirectly points to is that if you're an e-commerce vendor, most likely you're using an e-commerce platform of some sort. It might be a WordPress plugin. It might be, and I don't want, you know, there's bigger platforms out there uh, that folks are familiar with from Magento to Demandware, which I believe is um, now owned by Salesforce. There's these, these big white labeling e-commerce platforms that folks use. To be fair to these vendors, they do issue patches. They do help their customers with security. But I think what all this points to is that attackers are pernicious. They are persistent. They're going to keep trying to exploit these platforms in, in ways that they can. And when, and when they see that there's a vulnerability that they can take advantage of, or misconfiguration for that matter, or just someone who's an admin, supposed to be an admin on these tools or platforms that are not very knowledgeable about how to you know up the security posture for the platform. That's why these, these type of injection attacks are still prevalent. It's a combination of things that make it so that attackers will still use SQL injection to, to try to find the holes in the wall, so to speak, to get through. So those are all pretty well established, but actually your research did uncover what appears to be more of a, a newer trend in uh, application uh, attacks. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so this is kind of surprising to me. So backdoor file was the fifth um, attack, most prevalent attack type for retail e-commerce providers. And what it is, is um, it's an attempt to access a backdoor tool that's installed um, on applications or APIs that allows a hacker to gain remote access and then introduce additional attack activity into the retailer's environment. Typically, we can see other things related to backdoor file, like directory traversal, or they're taking advantage of a CVE that's been published that hasn't been addressed on the server. But backdoor file is really kind of, um, we're seeing it gain prevalence because basically it allows the attacker to do other things once they're in and they, they find that file that allows them to do things like data theft, website defacing, server hijacking, and they can also do um, distributed denial of service attacks. Um, so basically what I'm saying is when they find a backdoor file that's in a certain directory on the web server, they can basically pivot to another piece of malicious activity that you don't want having happening on your server as, a, as an e-commerce retailer. So that was, that was a little surprising to us, but in another sense, not because again, getting back to the attacker mindset that they're going to leverage the means that they find to you know carry out their fraudulent activity, it, it wasn't surprising in that sense. And I guess you could probably put it down to being, you know, that living off the land mentality that threat actors have. And when I was in a, in a past life at CrowdStrike, um, where, I, where I supported the services team there, that was very much a recognized pattern for malicious threat actors is they, if they can get in, they're going to see, you know, they'll enumerate the network, they will enumerate what's on the servers, they will, you know, discover whatever they can about the environment. And if they find tools that they can leverage that are there already, such as a backdoor file uh, that's on Windows servers, they will use that and then they will pivot to another piece of malicious activity. These backdoors are, um, could, could have been left by somebody else, could be um, involved in some long since concluded attack, but they're there. And in the context of a new adversary, a new attacker on the network, they then become valuable to them. Yeah. So, so in some cases, they're delivered via malware uh -huh. that identifies and exploits a vulnerable component in the web application. In other cases, the attacker just simply uses an unchanged default password mm -hmm. to log into the, the, the admin account. Mm -hmm. um, Not an easy signature to scan for, I guess, is what you're saying. But no, so that's where Signal Sciences will come in and help. We can basically show our customers, okay, if they're trying to use attack tooling like this to find a backdoor file, we can show them that. If they are trying to do directory traversal 
in order to find a, a backdoor file, we can show our customers that and shut it down. Brendan, when we hear about, you know, in the news, things like uh, these mage cart uh, attacks, I think uh, Macy's had an announcement last week on a, on a major compromise that was linked to that particular malware family. They certainly aren't alone in that category. What should we understand about how these are happening? Is this an issue around patching of known vulnerabilities or, or what? Yeah, MageCard's been out for a while. I, and I know Mage actually gets its name from Magento. They've yeah. since issued you know, fixes for it, but still you're going to find installations out there that haven't addressed it, fortunately. Or there's some other misconfiguration that allows the attacker to pivot to that and get that, inject that code necessary for the, the MageCard vulnerability to be injected there onto the page. So high level, these, these are generally preventable compromises or attacks. Yeah, with the right defensive measures, yes, they are, definitely. And, and you need that visibility at layer seven to, to see what's happening. And uh, that's something that civil sciences will help customers too. Which isn't to say there aren't huge uh, uh, benefits to using a, a common uh, e-commerce platform, uh, uh, Gento or, or Demandware or any of the others you mentioned. You're not washing your hands of security issues by using a major vendor. I guess that's the, the moral of the story. Yeah, I mean, the, the reason why companies use these these vendors for their e-commerce is, uh, you know, they're obviously proven to scale up. They can service, you know, multi, you know thousands upon thousands of product SKUs. Um, and they're great at what they do because I, I have an e-commerce background and I actually have worked with Magento hands-on myself uh, when I was a product manager in a prior life. So I have great respect for them. Um, and, and they do very well. What, what customers want them to do is, you know, service a large customer base quickly, connect with your back office system, connect with your fulfillment systems, et cetera. And that's what they're right. dedicated to doing. The problem is that if there is a vulnerability that the vendor has implemented a patch for, but the, the customer has not you know, implemented it, well, there's a, there's a hole there that's going to get taken advantage of. Right. Um, so, right. so there's some maintenance involved with these platforms. It's not just a plug and play. Oh, I can just set it and forget it. You have to have someone who's maintaining the system and keeping an active watch on it. And by virtue of using this platform that millions of other people use, you are, while you're not necessarily more of a, a target specifically, you are generally just like uh, using Windows makes you vulnerable to all the Windows malware or banking yeah. at Bank of America. You know, it's probably pretty likely you're going to get a phishing email sent to Bank of America customers, you know? Um, so it, it's the same phenomena. You know, you're, you're now part of this much bigger community of users who, of course, represent a, a target of opportunity. Yeah. And, and again, to be fair to these e-commerce platform vendors, they have active user communities. They do have security tools. They do have yeah. um, people that are dedicated to maintaining their systems. And when there is a new vulnerability, they, they roll out a patch very quickly. But again, the onus then is on their end customers to implement the patches to to be aware of what's happening and, and basically actively maintain the platform that they're using. So there's definitely upside for a business to use them, uh, but there's also responsibility and implied to actively maintain it and monitor it and make sure that you're you're applying all the updates when they come out. So. Okay, so if we've got employees at e-commerce companies in in our listenership, which I'm almost 100% certain we do, what's your advice to them as we head into this holiday season, holiday shopping season, Brendan? So a couple things. The first is visibility. Uh, I've talked a bit about this at Layer 7. You've got to get visibility into the granular web request volumes, um, the types of attacks, threats uh, that actors attempt, um, and when and where the attacks occur and originate, and how those attackers seek to exploit the web app uh, in question. So if you have a, a legacy WAF, probably not going to get all that. Um, and that's mm -hmm. because legacy WAF vendors will tell you, yes, we blocked uh, what we think is a malicious request, but they don't give you the context around the block. 
et cetera. So we're going to give you that visibility to show what the attackers are trying to do as we block it. The mm -hmm. second is flexi flexibility. Um, you have to accommodate different users. So whatever security tooling you use, it should obviously help your security team, but also empower development and operations folks um, by giving them the feedback loops that give them actionable attack data from production. And then they can basically integrate their common DevOps tools that they're using. So Slack, Jira, PagerDuty, they can get this security information from production at layer seven into other tooling, or they can basically just get those alerts so they can basically know that there's something happening that they need to take a look at. Two other things. So threat detection and mitigation. You want to execute automated rapid response so you can block those attacks while you, mm -hmm. while letting leg legitimate traffic through to the web app. So again, your business does not get interrupted. You want to you know ramp up your your carts, number of carts, number of orders processed. High volume retail sites want to do that. But you also want to make sure you're inspecting and making decisions based on abusive nature of requests that are coming in and not just blocking you know, static IP addresses that is basically, it's not very dynamic. And then the last one is just scalability. You know, you want to get a security technology that gives you coverage across wherever your apps are deployed. If you're using microservices, uh, you're, you're taking advantage of containers, or if you got, you know, legacy on-premise applications, however you are deploying your, your uh, e-commerce application, you need a, a technology that's going to basically be there to, to do the inspection and do the blocking. And, and that's pretty key too. Good advice. So I know there is this uh, Apache Solar vulnerability out. I don't know if you guys have anything to say about that yet, though. Just because a CVE is published doesn't mean that it's in production for you. Now, good part of good vulnerability management, though, is you know knowing what you what components of your application are open source, and if there's updates that are required, or if there's some CVE that's been published for those components. Yeah, absolutely, you should be concerned. One thing that we hear from customers is like, "Oh, here's a list of 300 CVEs. Do you guys?" prevent all these. And the, and the fact of the matter is, look, you need to be concerned about the ones that are in production or that could be being rolled out to production or those that are actually in your code base. So figure out what are, what's in your code base first, and then, then you can zero in on the CVs that matter. They're like, yeah, that's why we have this list of 300. These are the ones that are in production. <laughs> well, you would hope not. The key is just good vulnerability management. And um, we can help with that. And we basically look to, you know, we hear from our customers that if it's prevalent, we're going to help them. Um, and it tends to be around uh, web server vulnerabilities that we focus on because um, that's a and the one, one other key point for your listeners is just because of uh, like say a WAF vendor or an XGN WAF vendor like us issues a, a patch or a, a virtual patch to take care of a CV, that's not the permanent solution. Again, you have to go back mm -hmm. to the vendor or the open source or, you know, maintainers of that component of your app and get the actual patch when they put it out and, and yes. apply it. Brendan McRaig of Signal Sciences, thanks so much for coming on and speaking to us on the Security Ledger. Okay. Thanks very much, Paul. It's been good talking to you. Have a good Thanksgiving. You've been listening to the Security Ledger podcast. This week's podcast was brought to you by Signal Sciences. Signal Sciences' next-generation WAF and RASP technology is the only application security solution that works across any architecture. Fast and easy to implement, the solution protects more than 25,000 cloud-native, legacy, and serverless applications and over a trillion production requests every month. Organizations across all industries deploy Signal Sciences to protect their most important web applications, APIs, and microservices against the full spectrum of threats, from the OWASP Top 10 to account takeovers, API misuse, and bad bots. Check them out at signalsciences.com.